Hi everyone, and welcome to the 167th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hi guys. Oh man, What's up? I've been going through the craziest stuff. I, I know I told you already about it, but a result of all this craziness could have a potential benefit to this podcast, specifically this episode. Why is that? Because in a massive torrent of craziness, I have had to rearrange my apartment, and I have now moved my computer and my entire recording setup to a place I've been just dying to move it to the whole the whole time I've been living here. Well, and I've moved it into my tatami room. So if you don't know what tatami are, they're like these like uh, but they're they're like these woven mats that are really soft, really cushy, and basically just this whole room is you know in terms of sound is a lot softer. So I've been having this nightmare situation of echo, constantly having echo problems. But now I'm in a nice room. No, that's good. And doesn't have echo. So hopefully that helps. Churro. In the past, on this podcast, I have gone on record to recommend certain game properties outside of the Kingdom Hearts series. I, I consider this partially uh, our duty as as Kingdom Hearts hosts, that when there is a lull in the universe of Kingdom Hearts, which we're kind of in one because Kingdom Hearts 3 is out and we're like in between kingdom hearts 3 and then kingdom hearts 3 dlc so i think this is a good time to make a recommendation i'll just you know to remind everybody in the past my big recommendations i don't make many of them but in the past my recommendations were persona phoenix Wright ace attorney xenoblade chronicles the first one yakuza and i think pretty much that's all of them so that's just four not not many i've got potentially two to add to that okay because in in this in this crazy vacation that i've had you know i won't go into the details but i've had a lot of free time so i've been playing stuff first one a lot of you probably are already fans of this so i'm sorry if i'm not telling you anything new but the thing that i'm recommending right now is steins gate elite steins gate elite just came out like I'm, I'm talk, I'm talking like just, uh, like in February of this year, like after Kingdom Hearts three came out, just came out. So let me break this down. Steins Gate was a visual novel, like a regular old visual novel, back in 2009, released on Xbox 360, was re-released several times and had an anime adaptation. What Steins Gate Elite is, is they literally took that anime, chopped it up, and recreated the visual novel using purely scenes from the anime. So typically a visual novel, what you usually get is static background and then a character that kind of sort of animates on top and then text. And then sometimes there's voice acting and sometimes there's not. Steinsgate Elite is every single aspect of this is animated because it's straight from the anime. They chop it up and use it like you use various scenes in like crazy ways, almost like a, relate it kind of to like um like the abridged series like team four star they do dragon ball abridged yeah and it's kind of like that they do that with the anime but like not like where they chop up scenes and like reuse them in certain ways to like make animation 
That's what they do, but they use the anime. It's like they're taking the best of both worlds. They're taking the visuals from the anime and then also the text from the visual novel, the full text. And it's just like, oh my God, it's amazing. So highly, highly, highly recommend it. 10 out of 10. One slight bit of warning. If you are very uh, sensitive to uh, social issues... And I say sensitive as in terms of like it might trigger bad emotions. I might recommend against it. This is a game from the mid-2000s. So it is not as woke as we are now. So I'll just say that much. Uh, Specifically, I'm targeting this at anybody that likes Persona or anyone that likes uh, the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. They're very similar to Steins Gate, but, you know, very good. The the other game that I was also recommending, it's it's a strong recommendation, but it's mostly in line with my Ace Attorney recommendation. It's a game called Ghost Trick. Okay, I've heard Ghost, of that one. Yes, so Ghost Trick is made by the exact same team as Ace Attorney, and for all the same reasons in the past that I've recommended Ace Attorney, I recommend Ghost Trick. That's that's my recommendation. Very simple. It's really good. I don't want to say anything about it. Uh, other than, uh, I think you can get it on iOS for free. Yes. Yeah. So I'm playing it on iOS. You can get like the first chapter and if you like it, you, you pay 10 bucks and you can get, get the rest of it. That's how I played it. Uh, so yeah, I download, yeah, downloaded ghost trick, played that really loved it. I'm like, this is ace attorney. This is like uh, everything I love about ace attorney. So I kept playing it. It's awesome. I haven't finished it yet, but, uh, as far as I can tell, really awesome. So yeah. I don't have many recommendations outside of Kingdom Hearts, but those are two more. Steins Gate Elite, specifically the Elite version, because it's just so amazing to experience a visual novel, but also absolutely everything is animated and absolutely everything is voice acted. Like, that to me is crazy. Visual novels don't get that, but because Steins Gate is such a legendary series, it already had an anime why not turn it back into a visual novel? And that's what they did. So I highly recommend that and also ghost trick. All right. So I know it's a lot of preamble. Sorry. We'll get on with the show for you. New folks. Kingdom hearts union is part of the podcast series called final fantasy and kingdom hearts union and is presented by the gaming union network. We release every Tuesday rotating each week with final fantasy union. And we come out on the iTunes store, kingdom hearts union.com and kingdom hearts union, Twitter, which is at cage union. In this episode, we have a two-segment show. Our first segment is our Kingdom Hearts 3 discussion. We will be talking about my favorite two worlds, my favorite two Disney worlds. We're going to be talking about the Caribbean, based on Pirates of the Caribbean, and San Francisco, based on Big Hero 6. So this is going to be a really great discussion. And last, we're going to have our question segment. Uh, in the way of announcements, as always, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And our Patreon executive producers for this episode are as follows. We have Nahika Blawi, Chris Morales, Zach Duranto, who's at ZDuranto58, Michael Graham, Barry Norton, who's at Nortron Zero, Thorin Bullen, who's at Massacre23, Tony Pat or Tori Patrick, Fayez Bilal, Alex Ray Schneider, who's at Alex Ray Schneider, Louis James, Rachel Casterton, who's at Orba Yoon Ray, Muhammad Quayam, and uh, Zelda Clone, who's at Apes Type Novels, and Churro, if you could take these last ones. 
We got Darren Matthews at Doomster73, Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J, Alex and Rachel Trotman at Akira Namjian, Keith Field at The Mighty Keith, Billy Jackson at Underscore Billy Jackson, Miles Ribbons, Ishbel Ayala, which, who is at Red Peppers, Rob Porter at ScoreTeeperT1, David Calro, Tobias Kepi at the Tobias, Tobias Kepi, Vita Nitas, and Yannick Nod at Yannick Nod. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. And in the way of the deep dive stream, I just want to apologize. I I, I, I guess I kind of hinted that I had a, uh, you know, kind of a weird last couple of weeks. Part of that caused me to unfortunately have to miss one of the deep dive streams. Uh, the deep dive stream will continue uh, on April 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. It'll be Monster uh, Monstropolis. I promise I'm going to be there. Um, I'm not dying now, so everything should be fine. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, Twitch TV slash Cage Union. Check it out. And moving on to our Kingdom Hearts 3 discussion. All right, so our first uh, part of the discussion. I think actually before we get to the Caribbean, there was there was a cutscene prior to that. I'm trying to remember which one it was. It was related. To, oh yes. So prior to going to the Caribbean, there's a quick cutscene where Sora and Riku and Mickey are at Yen Sid's tower, and Sora yet again is like, "Let me go with you guys." And then Riku and Mickey are like, "Sora." If you went with us, that would be kind of weird because that would interrupt the flow of the game. And on top of that, Yen Sid, do you have to say something about this? Why, yes. Sora, did you unlock the power of waking? If you haven't unlocked that part of the plot, you can't go help Riku and Mickey. And on top of that, if you helped Riku and Mickey, where would all the tension be when they're in trouble later? Brandon, you should definitely do like an abridged version of that. Yeah, you should too. Game Wars three abridged, and yeah, that's oh man, yeah. I, I we're we're definitely gonna get more in depth into like the main plot of Kingdom Hearts three. I think on the next episode because we'll be talking about the ending, uh, the the whole ending world. But uh, yeah, it's it. Oh man. Oh, by the way, let me talk real quick. Let me let me give a quick um clarification because I I had a a tweet about. Uh, asking about our, our spoiler policy and maybe I haven't said it uh, clearly enough in, uh, in the past, but basically just to be clear in terms of spoilers and how we're handling it on this show, um, on the Twitter spoilers are fair game at, at KHU and Twitter. I, I said that prior when, uh, we were doing the, uh, translations of the Kingdom Hearts three Ultimania on the podcast. The way the spoilers are going is we are going through the game in chrono in chronological order and each each episode we have a a new uh set of worlds that we're talking about in this world uh, in this episode it happens to be the caribbean in san francisco so what that means is in terms of the game in terms of kingdom hearts 3 every part of the story up until this point that is to say everything up until the caribbean in san francisco on this episode the entire story up until that point is fair game that means the ending ending parts of the game and uh, secret ending stuff are not fair game. We won't be talking about that on this episode, but in the next episode, we will be talking about the ending. And we will probably also maybe 
touch on the secret ending or maybe that'll be its own episode. I don't know. But, you know, at the end of the day, the whole idea is that as we're going through the game, as we're going through this discussion, we are uh, also allowing spoilers up until the point of the parts of this discussion. So just to be very clear, if you have not played Kingdom Hearts 3 up until the point of the Caribbean and San Francisco, I would highly recommend returning to this episode after you have. So just being very clear about that, that is our spoiler policy. So also to be clear about that, once we've done our complete discussion series of Kingdom Hearts 3, that means all podcast episodes following that, all Kingdom Hearts 3 spoilers are fair game from that point. So just to be clear about that. So there's no confusion. That's good to know. Yeah, just to be clear. So getting back to it, let's talk about the Caribbean, Chiro. So the Caribbean kicks off with a scene that I thought at first I was like, man, I'm really into this. And then I thought this is going on a little long. (laughs) It was the pirate song. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. I think they went through like maybe one or two verses too many. I, I thought it was a I thought it was a nice touch because I really I, I like it I like it. I'm not saying I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying it went on just a little bit long that's all true yeah I, it, it did kind of feel awkward but like it, it I don't know like I liked I liked the song but it feels so weird for like someone to like say that part and then go back to humming yeah 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 that 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 aspect of it was weird so yeah I think maybe if they cut down. Uh, a little bit like maybe just like a couple of <laughs> maybe just one or two of the verses of that song from the the first part of the cutscene maybe shorten the first part and then keep Sora and his humming and whatever and then even if it's a little awkward it won't be as bad because it's shorter you know I don't know whatever so they have that just one thing that I want to really quick shout out on is oh my god it was so beautiful like during that song they were like doing these crazy like aerial panning shots it almost looked like drone footage but you know it's from the game of the caribbean of the islands in the caribbean and they look really beautiful it's like oh my god so gorgeous so really like that the only like slight thing that i'll say that they uh cut back on in that cutscene, and which i understand i'm sure was probably too much but they uh they disabled um or it seems like they disabled screen space reflections on the water there. So it's a little weird when you're flying over and the ships don't reflect in the water and the islands don't reflect in the water. And it's just like, uh, I mean, this looks really beautiful except for that. So I don't know. Maybe that'll be for the uh, HD remaster on the PlayStation 5. I can only hope. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, so yeah, Pirate Song. And then... uh. Yeah, Sora, Donald, Goofy. It's the same cutscene that we saw back at E3 2018. And then they fall off the edge of the world and land in Davy Jones' locker, which is apparently this, like, sandy ocean or whatever. And I don't know. I, I For me personally, I really love that area, but I wish we could, like, have more of a thing there. Even though I know there's nothing there, but it's just so big and wide and massive, and I just wanted to explore it more. Uh, well, sure. What did you think about the o- the opening gameplay? You know, chasing after the pirate ship. I thought it was a nice touch because you know, you know how really important actiony. You, well, that too, but you also you know realize how important the ship is to Jack. So yeah, 
you know, and Sora, you know, wanting, you know, his excitement of being a pirate, you know, he really wants that feeling of having his own ship too. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that, that, that was really awesome. Uh, and then once, once we do get, uh, the, the ship back, we run into, uh, I forget her name. Nat, Kiara, Kiara Knightley, whoever Kiara Knightley, Knightley plays. Elizabeth. And then, yeah, Elizabeth. So Kiara Knightley, Orlando Bloom. Will Turner. But yeah, I, I loved it. It was, it was a really great, like, intro to all of them. The only thing, there's only one character that just, like, really, really bugs me just by the way that they look. And it's Elizabeth. Just her hair is really weird. Her voice is weird too. What are you her talking about? Her voice is weird. She, I would say, out of all the characters, she probably is the one that uh, hits the uncanny valley the hardest. Yeah, like they, they, like they the all, accent... kind, they all kind of hit it a little bit. They all kind of have a little bit of a problem of looking a little bit robotic and sounding a little bit robotic. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Elizabeth is probably the worst. Because we were, because like she had like her accent is like the thickest one. It's like I don't recall yeah. her accent being really that thick. It's yeah, it's like it's almost like the like the the Mina Savari of like Kingdom Hearts three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good call there. I'd also say just like uh, a little bit artistic slash technically, her hair being that long it just wasn't working well. I, I I don't know. I guess that they didn't carry over the Rapunzel tech for Elizabeth. Right. And it did not. It did not look the greatest. Uh, I mean, the the model looked good. If she doesn't move, it looks fine. It's in motion where it looks a little bit weird. Uh, also, looking at comparison shots with uh, that part of the movie, uh, apparently in this part of the movie she actually had her hair up, and I thought that style not only looked better, but probably would have looked better on this model too. So. I guess maybe later in the movie she lets her hair down, and I—I I mean the the main problem is like with a human actor, you can re redress them all you want, like that's not a problem. But if you if you have a CG character and you want to you know fit them out with a new hairstyle or new outfit, every time you do that, you have to make a new model. <laughs> like that's it's not easy. Like it costs a lot of money, so I get that. So. I don't know. Just Elizabeth bugs me. That's all. Uh, but yeah, so moving moving on from there. So we leave Davy Jones' locker and we go to quite possibly one of the best fights in the entire game, in my opinion. That fight frustrated air- me. Yeah, well, I loved it. I, I for me, it was a big fun. It was the air battle with the you know riding on the on the backs of the Heartless and shoot you know jumping on the back of that big one and all that and the smoke and the sliding around and oh man i loved it How, what was your experience with it what 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 frustrated you about it it's just trying to attack the bus and try to prevent, oh yeah you know like because like you're on a limit before the ship you know is destroyed true true so you gotta true. like jump from one you know uh heartless to the other then you gotta catch up to it remind me of the whole uh the the day the fight from days when you're fly in the Neverland world and you have to uh, right. yeah, chase yeah, yeah, after yeah. that boss. Oh, I hated that one. Yeah, I'm with you. It, re- it, rem- it reminded me of that. Just you know, you know, and higher def and you know, a couple of gimmicks here and there. Yeah, maybe something they could have done because I think one of the problems with that is that you're kind of thrown into that 
whole experience right away and like you kind of have to like figure it out like just just being thrown into it maybe what they could have done instead is uh in the previous area the davy jones locker area you, you know you're chasing after the the pirate ship maybe in that part maybe you were also maybe you could also have been attacked by those flying heartless and you could have like jumped on the back of it to like catch up to the ship or something, and maybe that could have been gameplay uh, to sort of like introduce you to the flying mechanics a little bit earlier, and maybe that would have made it easier. I don't know, but I, I don't know. For me personally, I just like the you know it was it was mostly about the thrill of flying around and jumping from heartless to heartless, and then jumping on the back of it. For me, it worked well, and I I I, I took to it, and. Yeah, I, I really did enjoy it, and I think in some ways, and, and we'll be talking about this more later as we get to uh, further boss fights, but I definitely feel like Pirates of the Caribbean, I, I've said, I've also said this in prior episodes, but I think one of the main themes of Kingdom Hearts 3 is revenge, and in Pirates of the Caribbean, I feel a lot of that revenge, and... Uh, yeah, this first like flying boss fight is almost like revenge for the three, five, eight over two days aerial boss fights and how bad those were. <coughs> and, uh, so yeah, I really like that. So yeah, that's the, the air battle. And then next, next one. So later you, you land into the ocean and you wash up on the shore of an island and in this island you explore and you encounter this massive fish boss and in this island you're introduced to the fact to hey you can swim underwater and this is the next part of the revenge this is revenge for under the sea uh, of this is revenge for atlantica from kingdom hearts one well Namar like, did say that if you kind of keep pressing and i'm pressing him and he'll do something yep. even worse yeah exactly but I would say the underwater combat in Kingdom Hearts 3 is actually really good. Like, to me, it feels really good. Like, I like it. And I like the magic. I like the upgrades to the magic underwater. Like, it feels great. And I don't know. For me, I like the the fish boss fight. And I like generally fighting underwater in Kingdom Hearts 3. What, what did you feel about uh, underwater fighting in Kingdom Hearts 3 and then also this boss fight? It was actually, well, you know, a lot better than I expected. Normally, like, yeah. that combat kind of turned me off, and it's, it, it still feels limited, you know? Yeah, 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 of course. Because, you know, you can't switch Keyblades, you know, you can't do forms, you know, you're yeah. so basically you're stuck with the one you have, and then your magic is limited, too. But I like I like the detail they put into it, yeah. how the magic, you know, comes out. It's like it's all its own unique way. So it's I really love the uh the ice magic how the spikes come out like that it looks so cool. Yeah, that that that's what I like. That's that's why I like that detail of it. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree like and and it kind of makes sense because like like this form of combat only really occurs here. Like it doesn't occur pretty much in that many parts of the game, so like obviously they're not going to like go that in depth into it, but I think yeah, like you said, you know, with the magic and with the different ways that you can use your keyblade, like it is surprisingly detailed for what it is. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, moving on from there. So we've got our air battle, we've got our sea battle, and now we're gonna have our pirate ship battle. We meet Luxord, and then surprise, surprise, 
we got a pirate heartless boss which when 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 i encountered it it reminded me a lot of the boss from kingdom hearts 2 that you fight when uh the, the one that luxord summons there it's kind of like similar to that but more pirate themes mm. and uh yeah that won't yeah so i i really like that boss too and so uh yeah once you defeat that you finally make it to port royal and then you start doing the crab collection <laughs> mini game what'd you, Jira, what'd, how'd you what'd, feel yeah how'd you feel about the crabs <laughs> totally really it, 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 it killed my mood yeah it was really annoying <laughs> Like it, just to go up and down, Ugh. that entire like looking for crabs. Where are the crabs? I it, it really turned turned me like it turned me away from such a beautiful world. Yeah, you know. Just yeah, I would agree. That's probably that. probably one of the low points. Though one thing that I did like about it, even though I don't well, not about the crabs, but what I did like about that part of the game was like, oh, we're here in Port Royal, and it's finally like really expanded and really detailed and look at all these npcs here so i did like that i did like, I, I like Port yes Royal. it doesn't doesn't make it so empty like you know past kingdom hearts games is exactly exactly and you know go, going back on the theme of revenge port royal is revenge for port royal from kingdom hearts 2 because <laughs> yeah like back in kingdom hearts 2 man it was just so empty and like especially these days when you go back and look at it, it's like, man, this it's kind of weird because the style doesn't like fit kingdom hearts at all. Like, and I think that's kind of like the feedback they kept getting was like, people would play kingdom hearts two and say like, man, this doesn't look good in kingdom hearts two at all. And like Sora and Donald and goofy, they don't fit the world. And that's what, that's why they got costumes this time. And yeah, you and then like when you see Pete in there, it's like oh yeah, Pete. <laughs> that was Pete talking to Barbosa, it's like wow, that's hilarious. Like the clash of colors and styles. Yeah. <laughs> so it was good to see you know that finally get addressed this time around. So yeah, so that was uh yeah Port Royal collecting the crabs. Yeah, that wasn't that great. And then something that I didn't really explore at that time but did on prior playthroughs was i really like the uh was like the they have like a fort there and they have like a prison in there as well like when you go looking for um lucky emblems that'll take you over there a little bit and yeah i really like that area and that felt because because the 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 fort was in kingdom hearts 2's version of port royal but you know this one was clearly a lot different so uh, so that was good. Did you fight the uh, what should call it there? The the flan. Yeah. How, how it, was that one? I it, thought that one was not not the not that bad. I like that it. Was one. it wasn't that bad? It was you know, once you like get the timing down, you can easily yeah. you can easily beat it very quickly. It took me like four tries, and then not, and then then I was able to do it. It's it's yeah. kind of like you know just just focus on the the. The um, what's the flan what's, that's flying what's, back and forth? What's probably the like? I haven't seen what people are saying about the 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 flan characters, but what are people saying is the worst one? Is it the Toy Story one? No, it's the uh, Olympus. Oh, Olympus. Oh, is it, it, it? That's the one that you're on the the then the on the, the, on the shield. On the shield. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I did that one. Yeah, I don't think I I 
did well on that. And yeah, I agree that that one is a pain. Okay. Yeah. I think the two that I probably struggled with the most was that one and the, maybe the toy story one, but I, I thought I did well I've on the toy story one eventually like, have trouble with the toy story one. And it's like, there's a certain trick to do the toy story one in order to, yeah. to, to beat it. And it's like, it took me like after doing it a few times, like I finally got like the hang of what to do with it. Cause like, yeah, what people don't realize with the flan is that you know when you have so much flan stacked, it's like the the actual if you go underneath like the you know not in the open the, the middle part because that's the open. Mm-hmm. If yeah, you go, yeah. If you if you you can't stack any higher if you go underneath like on the on the outer edges of it, so you have to kind of like circle around the uh, the gumball. And, yeah. And and if you sense. learn to steady yourself and keep away from the flan that's trying to knock everything off, you can actually have it so high. And then yeah. once you have it so high, you just kind of like, well, because well, if you know the score to get it, all you have to do is just like kind of like hang out and just keep, you know, avoiding everything. And then that's it. Okay. It, it, it's just there's a certain trick to it. Okay. So I'll, I'll keep that in mind if I uh, ever try to do those again. So, uh, yeah, so collecting crabs there, and then finally you have enough to reassemble the ship and then head out on the high seas. And I think for a lot of people, Churro, this is, like, one of the highlights of the entire game of Kingdom Hearts 3 is getting to explore. It's, like, very, very like, Wind Waker vibes I got off of this. I I got got Assassin's Creed 3 because... Assassin's oh, Creed yeah, 3 yeah. brings, you know, ship exploration, but not on the level of Assassin's Creed 4. It's like in the between. Yeah, pretty much. Gotcha. Yeah, that's uh that yeah, that is a good one. Uh yeah. Yeah, for me for me I haven't played Assassin's Creed 3, so I, I was like feeling kind of Wind Waker-ish vibes, but yeah, I get that. It it, it definitely like because of the pirate like theming and like the area, it definitely has uh, like an Assassin's Creed vibe too, like this whole world. So uh yeah, I really loved it. Like, I had a really great time. Like, I was just, like, enjoying the high seas and just, like, looking like, man, I could just see off in the distance and I can go anywhere and this is awesome. And, like, I, I just love, and, and this is, like, one of my favorite parts. It's just, like, I just love that with the Caribbean and with San Francisco, I feel like these two worlds especially when I play those worlds, I feel like, wow, this is like a vision of the future, like right here. Like that, that's, that's what I feel about it because in a lot of the prior, you know, worlds in kingdom hearts three, some of them, like, yes, they're more seamless than worlds have been in the past, but I could see how, if you like added more like loading screens or maybe just cut it a little bit, like you could fit it into the same format as like an old like Kingdom Hearts two style or even Dream Drop Distance style world. Like it's not that different. Like it's kind of linear. Uh, I felt that way with the with the Kingdom of Corona and Frozen and like those worlds. Like I'm not I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm just saying this that I I felt like because of their more linear style. Like I felt yeah I could have seen this possibly being made for like a pre previous kingdom hearts game, but with the Caribbean and then also with San Francisco and, and, and also in different ways, both of those worlds feel like, okay, these are like next gen kingdom hearts worlds. Like this is what the future can be with kingdom hearts. 
like being able to go anywhere, explore anything, and I'm guessing that the that's what the like I think that's the reason why it's like one of the two you know last Disney worlds because like they're yeah. more of a kind of a like a testing to see how well an open world yeah in Kingdom Hearts would be like yeah that's that's a good way to put it and actually if you think about it uh you know Toy Box is also kind of in this in, in this situation as well cuz but also in in like a different style like in toy box it it's not really an open world but it's very open like if you really think about what galaxy toys is like it's a that world is massive and could, i mean they he, he could have easily just made it you know a two story yeah he could have but or yeah, even a single story like a small yeah. building but yeah so that's that's like one like you know if we're taking this as like a vision of the future you could take like three different possibilities so the the toy box vision of open world kingdom hearts is having a massive like uh having a one massive building that you explore that you can go anywhere in and if you think about it like if we're thinking about this in the potential of a future kingdom hearts game what could that be? That could be, you know, the the tower that's in Daybreak Town. Like, what if Daybreak Town was built that way? You know, built like Toy Box, where it's a massive tower, you know, that's kind of like a, a hub section, and then, you know, different, like, offshoot things that you can explore, and it's all seamless and, and no load screens. Like, that's, that's, that's a possibility. Or maybe, you know, revisiting uh, Hollow Bastion, the, you know, the or, you know, Reading Gardens Castle. That could be another way that they could use that format uh in the case of uh you know the caribbean this is like a a totally different style this is like uh you know open world you know similar to wind waker where there's like a bunch of islands and then off in the distance you can explore and you know this is almost like like when i think of you know, typical open worlds. I usually think of them as like, there's either the wilderness focused ones and then there's the city focused ones. And the Caribbean feels more like the wilderness focused one, even though it has, it's mostly ocean. And then obviously, you know, skipping ahead a little bit, San Francisco is more of the city based one. And, uh, I don't need to say much for those of you that have completed Kingdom Hearts 3 to know why that is such a big deal as a preview. I don't have to explain why if you've beat the game. So, <laughs> yeah. So, clearly, it's a, it's very important in this game that the Kingdom Hearts T, uh, the Kingdom Hearts 3 team got experience making a city as an open world. Uh, that is a very important thing for the future of the series. And it's very important that they got their teeth cut on these other styles, you know, the big monolithic building style. And then also now with this uh, Caribbean, this massive, more wilderness focused one where it's like actual open world and not just open city. So I'm really excited for that possibility. Like uh, another thing that it reminds me of, and this is thinking a little bit more back in the past, Jero, is like this kind of reminds me of like a Final Fantasy world map in a way. Yeah, like if yeah. you if if you think if you think about it, like it's definitely not on the scale of a Final Fantasy world map. It's not like that. It's 
you know, because obviously it's based on the Caribbean. The Caribbean is an island chain. You know, there's a bunch of these tiny islands out in the Caribbean, so it makes sense that they're small. But, like, you know, I was just thinking, like, what if one day in the future, like, they decided to make uh, more of an open world style uh, Kingdom Hearts game where you only go to one world and there are island chains and you go on a ship or a gummy ship or whatever it is for that world to explore it. Like the nice thing is if they just, if they wanted to do that sort of thing, they have a full world that they did that explored that idea. So they are, they already have one time that they've tried it. And and that's just, that's just awesome. And actually like one, one thing that I love and it comes out so well in the Caribbean is that I think it was either Nomura or Yosue, but they said that, one of their like guiding principles for making the Caribbean world was the concept of land, air, and sea. They wanted to tackle all three. And, and they and they made it. <laughs> yeah, they totally did. Like you have your land battles, you have your sea battles, and not just sea battles, but on the on the sea and under the sea. And above the sea in the sky and then on land. And like so awesome so yeah it's so, so many like uh, amazing things explored in this world like you know like you said churro like these last two worlds are like they feel like a test bed for future things and that's like that's pretty much why they put it at the end and it's like you know they were saving the best for last like and you can really tell uh so moving on from there uh then then you finally like uh you know fight the uh the kraken boss fight oh well actually prior to that there's like this big sea battle with a bunch of pirate ships i struggled with that one. i struggled with that. i hated that that one was so, so hard especially when he like teleports everywhere you're just like, oh, trying to figure out where that. he's gonna end up exactly yeah okay i don't want to think about that that fight anymore and then the kraken boss fight I actually died quite a bit to the kraken and uh, I, I don't know. I just my ship kept blowing up, or, or either my ship or the other ship kept blowing up, and it was just like ah. Trying to balance that was really difficult, and then finally fighting Davy Jones, which that, that, that was a fun fight. It was a fun fight. The only thing that I didn't like was that it just felt too easy. But that's like that's the whole game, really. So, but yeah, overall, really good. And then finally, like the whole thing ends with this epic CGI cutscene. That goes on for I think like fifteen minutes straight. It's like really long and really it, it impressive. Was, it was great watching that. Like it's almost like you're one. I thought it was part of the game at first, like the yeah. game stuff, but it's like no, it was like CGI. Yeah, it was amazing, and like there's this whole thing with like th- this whole side plot where Jack is like making this this like deal with Cutler Beckett, who's this guy in like the British Navy and they just blow him to crap in the, yeah, I was gonna in say the that they CG ending. I'm just sad that they didn't do it the way of the actual movie. So what do they do in the movie? Cause I don't remember anything about it's, Cutler it's, Beckett whatsoever. It's basically the same thing, but like, he, like he starts like walking like in slow motion down the stairs yes, as the yes. ship is blowing up. Yes. kind of give that dramatic effect but like in this in the game it's more like it's he just, just sort business. of stands there he just stands there and says it's just business and then the whole ship just goes you know sinks yeah 
yeah it's definitely not as as good as the movie but oh well i, I mean it's it's understandable like c- considering like how much they made of that cg cutscene like how long it was like I, like i get it but oh well so yeah moving moving from there uh so yeah overall let's talk about what we what we thought about the world as a whole so uh level design wise gameplay wise i think we we went into that pretty in depth uh presentation wise churro how did you feel about the overall presentation of this world like visuals and things like that it was like it's definitely a more realistic style it nomura already stated that the reason why he put it in there was because they wanted to see how much they can push with the uh technology and yeah it did not disappoint oh yeah (laughs) they pushed it and like we were talking before about how Kingdom Hearts three is you know revenge for many things, and this world is revenge for a lot of things in prior Kingdom Hearts games, and yeah, one of those things is making Sora, Donald, and Goofy feel like they're more a part of the world. I think they definitely succeeded in that. Like I, I like I know it's crazy that Donald and Goofy and Sora are in this world, and no, they aren't the exact same art style. But because of the rendering and the way the materials are the same and the way that's not like... Because like in Kingdom Hearts 2, the problem was that the models were still in the same basic style as they are in any other world. And like the the lighting just doesn't look good on them. They look really weird and bright for some reason in Kingdom Hearts 2. But in, in Kingdom Hearts 3, perfectly blended in. You know, yeah, they're more of a cartoony style, but like because they're blended in well... it. Like I got used to it real quick, and that's, like that's it didn't the game bother me. For you. Yeah, exactly. The only yeah, if anything, the only character I didn't like was Elizabeth. <laughs> I didn't have any problems with uh, Sora Donald, and Goofy. It was just Elizabeth. Actually, my favorite was uh, Davy Jones himself. But the tentacles. yeah, Davy Jones was good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, that, you know, that's that's just something I'm really proud of. You know, with the Kingdom Hearts team especially with this game is that, you know, with all of these movies, like in every movie that these, uh, you know, these, uh, that Disney and Pixar were putting out. And also with, uh, pirates of the Caribbean, every time they were putting them out, they're always doing something that was like groundbreaking technology when it comes to CG. Like in the, you know, I've talked about it many times with Rapunzel and her hair and that being the reason why, the movie took so long to make. And then on top of that, like it being one of the most expensive movies of all time because of Rapunzel's hair being so complicated back then, they had to figure it out and hire mathematicians to like model what it would be like mathematically to figure out how hair should work. And another case of that was Davy Jones back when they first made Davy Jones in CG. Like that was actually like really big deal. Groundbreaking CG back then. And it's just like, it's so impressive to me that now, like, not only are we able to do it, but we're able to do it in real time. And Square Enix is like recreating that, that legendary level CG, but recreating it in real time. And that to me is just like, oh my God, (laughs) so amazing. So yeah, so awesome. And so yeah, presentation, obviously very high quality and also and this is like one of the most surprising things is like not only is the presentation really high end but on top of that it's a flipping open world like usually when that happens like the quality like dips 
It didn't yeah. happen hit that that way. It got better. Which is like that just goes to show. Like I, I just want to be very clear about like you know the way the Kingdom Hearts team like tackled Kingdom Hearts three and using Unreal Engine four. In most of the game, they were lowballing it. There are a lot of there are a lot of parts of the game that they were lowballing it. Let's get for uh, yeah, um, like for example, in uh, Arendelle, in Arendelle, when you are on top of that mountain, uh, you know, s- standing next to uh, Elsa's uh, castle, yeah. if you look out in the distance, all of those mountains out there. Those are all 3D mountains. That's that's not a a flat skybox out there. Those are 3D mountains out there. So if they really really wanted to, they could let you go there. Yeah. Like if you if you've seen anybody break out of the map in Kingdom Hearts 3, oh man, you you'd be you'd be surprised what's out there and how detailed it is. So that's why I'm so excited for like the future of the series. And like, if anybody's thinking like, Oh, and in the next kingdom hearts game, are they going to use unreal engine four again? I don't want them to use that. That's old. I want them to use unreal engine five or, or something like that. Unreal engine four has a long way to go. Like the PS4 and the Xbox one and even the PS4 pro and Xbox one X aren't even close to maximizing the potential Unreal Engine 4 has. So y'all, don't worry. Unreal Engine 4 has a long way to go. Like, Unreal Engine 4 is being designed to be used not only for games, but also for movies. Uh, For example, uh, there were actually a couple of shots in Star Wars Rogue One that were rendered in Unreal Engine 4 in real time. Oh, really? What? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So remember Star Wars thirteen thirteen, so that team that uh, was really amazing, uh, they didn't stop working on real time three D rendering tech, and they moved some of their efforts on to go work on uh, Unreal Engine four, but still as a part of Lucasfilm, and yeah, you can actually go online. There's they, they did a whole like I think it was I think it was a GDC talk about how they used. Uh, Unreal Engine 4 first just to block out scenes and then they used it to like pre-visualize it and then it was like wait these previous shots look almost exactly the same as what we're rendering in the server farms out there can we are can we be allowed to do like a couple of scenes here just in the Unreal Engine 4 and we'll push it as hard as we can and they got okayed for a few of them and it was the there's like a robot characters or a droid he's, he's like a gray character uh a few shots of him in the movie ended up being final shots were rendered in unreal engine 4 which is just like that's crazy so if anybody thinks that you know we've seen the last of unreal engine 4 we haven't even seen the beginning of it really like there's there's so much uh there that it can do that we haven't seen yet so i mean it's there's a reason why namara wanted it in the first place over exactly place. So this has all been for the better. So yeah, moving on from there, talking about San Francisco, and uh, we'll go through the story part of this real quick because I want to get to like the nitty gritty about what this means for the series. But uh, yeah, so I would say overall the story of San Francisco for me, I really loved how tight 
and cohesive it felt. Like, to me, this felt like, story-wise, it felt not like... Well, it, it felt almost like a direct-to-DVD sequel movie. Like, like, an, like an interactive one. Yeah, an interactive one. Almost like, you know, you know, you have Aladdin and then you have Return of Jafar. Like, this is almost like the Return of Jafar, but for Big Hero 6. But then on top of that, it's interactive. And that, to me, just felt great. I I was kind of lukewarm on Big Hero 6, but I was not lukewarm on this world. I really loved it. The fact that, and I think the Big Hero 6 team, I feel like they are at their best once they have finally become heroes. And you don't really get that much of them being heroes in the movie because, you know, it's their origin story. Whereas in this, they're finally heroes. So we get to see what they're like as heroes. And I feel like in that way, this is even like a better Big Hero 6 than Big Hero 6 was. Because we actually get to see them as heroes. Yeah. And like much more than any other world, I feel like this world feels like, yep, this is this is the exact same characters we saw in the movie. Like this is not a Kingdom Hearts version of Big Hero Six. This these are these are the characters. It's same the hero, exactly same personality, same characters, exactly identical. And Sora is like it feels like Sora is canonically a part of their world and part of their story. And like obviously based on what the ending is of this, well I'm assuming everybody's played it based on the fact that you get Baymax back, like. <laughs> And they don't walk it back. They go really hard on that and, and like, yes, he got Baymax back. And like, that was a big part of the ending of Big Hero 6. And uh, when I was talking with Tasha on the last episode, she was talking about the fact that they were make they have plan, they, they were cognizant of the fact that they had plans to make Toy Story 4 back when they were working on Toy Story, th- uh, the Toy Story world for Kingdom Hearts. So, uh, and also, and also, yeah. So basically, the the idea was that they wanted to keep it kind of vague as to why maybe so. Uh, you know, if they have other movies, that why uh, Woody and Buzz never mention Sora. So that's that's why they designed it in such a way that oh, they're existing in a parallel dimension, and in Monsters Inc., it's like oh, Randall comes back because of Vanitas. But at the end of the world, oh, we send him back through the same door to the same swamp where we threw him in, you know, during uh, Monsters, Inc. Like they like in the Pixar worlds, they're very careful and they're very like intentional to try to like tie it up so that, you know, whether or not the Kingdom Hearts story happened or not doesn't matter. Yeah. But with Big Hero 6, it's the opposite. It's like, no, Kingdom Hearts characters, get in on this. You're in. You're canon. We got Baymax back, and it's because Sora, Donald, and Goofy helped us. Now, I don't know how that's going to play out in the future of Big Hero 6. You know, if they have sequels or if it, if this becomes a part of the storyline of the Big Hero 6 TV show, I don't know. But in terms of how it feels in a king, in the Kingdom Hearts world... Like, man, it is strong on the, uh, you know, 
it is strong on the significance of the Kingdom Hearts characters, and that feels really awesome to me. And uh, so, yeah, uh, and overall, like let's let's get into the the level design because we were we we're sort of mentioning it anyway. So this world adopts the open world city style, so to speak, that I was talking about before. And oh my god, Cheryl, it just felt so good. It was like. Oh man, like in the past, I would always worried like, uh, is Kingdom uh, could Kingdom Hearts work as an open world? And I wasn't sure. And then like they do it, and it's just like, oh my god, it works. Yeah, <laughs> so awesome. And um, in the same sense, though, Churro, this is getting a little tinfoil hat, but I also felt like, hmm, San Francisco, Tokyo. And a very like metropolitan city area. This feels like Shinjuku. Oh, and and Sora's an action character jumping around and being really actiony and fighting monsters. And hmm, this feels like a certain game that Tetsuya Nomura worked on in the past, maybe after Kingdom Hearts two and he unfortunately didn't get to do that part of the project. And oh wait. That project that it got reinvented into Final Fantasy XV, oh, they cut that part out of the game. That, that's that's kind of what, what I was feeling there. Is like, oh, is 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 Big Hero Six? Is this world San Francisco? Is this the insomnia intro that Nomura was trying to make for Final Fantasy XV? Not really, but still, I I felt those vibes very heavily. Oh, I don't man. know about you, Churro. Any... I'm. I mean, it's hard to tell with Nomura, you know? Yes. He, you know, he says one thing, then he does a different thing. Then he says, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. So it's like... <laughs> yeah. You come to the point where it's like... Okay, he will never admit you. it, by the way. If we ever asked him, he will absolutely deny it. And that's why you have that meme going around that says, okay, I believe you. Okay, I believe you. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That's precisely how I feel about it. If Nomura denies that this has nothing to do with Final Fantasy fifteen, okay, I believe you. That that's that's my response. So uh yeah, a lot a lot of really great uh things here. I, I love I love the city. The only thing but I do understand uh so so I'd mentioned earlier, you know, think back to Frozen. You know, this is an example of how Kingdom Hearts 3 is holding back in a lot of these worlds. The fact that the mountains off in the distance, they're real mountains. Big Hero 6 San Francisco has the opposite problem of it's it's reaching really far, but that's about as far as it can reach. Or at least that's what it seems like, or at least they're holding back on purpose. Uh, because when you're, when you jump on top of the, you know, if you, if you jump on top of like some of the really highest buildings and actually look out the city that you see outside of the city that you can actually explore, none of that's real. So it's like the opposite of, uh, you know, the mountains in frozen where they, those are real. Uh, the city that you see outside of the city that you explore is all flat and it's just a big dome around the world. It's just a skybox. And it's like, oh man. So it makes me a little worried. But then I also think, hey, the next Kingdom Hearts game's probably not going to be on PS4 anyway. So it doesn't matter. Right. So 
but yeah, that's that's just uh, something to to consider. But yeah, overall, uh, level design wise, Churro, how did you feel about the level design of this open world? You know, this is the first time that we've had something like this. How did you feel exploring through it? Did you make it through okay? Did you ever get like really lost in it? Uh, I get confused at first because I'm trying to figure out which like building had which you know when to go on it. But after you. Mm-hmm. But after you like you know scale up to the rooftops, it becomes a lot easier for you. And, yes. And then like the level design is really great. You know they really brought out you know like even though you see you know the city, the streets of San Francisco for a quick second in the mo- in the movie. Yeah. But here they did a really good job of capturing that. But at the same time, it's you know you have NPCs here and there, but it still feels kind of really empty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I think that's also another side effect of the fact that they made a really big open world. You know, they can't have as many NPCs as maybe they would like to. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, uh, unfortunate, but maybe in, in the future on different consoles when they do more worlds like this, they'll be able to, you know, balance that a little better. Uh, I do uh, like what you said with... Um, you know, maybe, you know, at first it can be overwhelming the fact that, you know, you're not really sure what building you should go to. And this, it's this massive city area that is, you know, really wide and expansive and, you know, it's, you know, dense and stuff like that. But the big key is, and and it's the number one thing that I love about this world is outside of the boundaries surrounding the area that you can play in there's no invisible walls. So in that sense, getting lost doesn't matter anymore because guess what? You can go anywhere. So like, as long as you have, and in most cases it's, it's true, you know, they, they, they they give you the AR glasses for a reason. They give you an AR, the AR glasses to give you uh, markers on your, on your HUD, on your heads up display. So you can see exactly where you need to go to. So you know what your destination is. And how do you get there? Get there however the hell you want. Jump on top of the buildings, grind on rails, do whatever. It doesn't matter. There's no invisible walls. That's the whole point. And that, to me, was just like, I, f- I finally see. And at last I see the light. Kingdom Hearts can work with open worlds. They just got it. As long as there's no invisible walls, and this is something that really pissed me off with final fantasy 15 was the amount of visible invisible walls in that game Ooh, yeah the invisible walls that, especially when you're trying to go from like one place to another is like all exactly it's, it's just like ah, oh, i hated that so much so that to me is i don't think it's brought up enough is the fact that the reason you get lost so much in these worlds is the invisible walls. It's because you can't make your own path. You you may be able to see off in the distance the place you need to go to, but you have to be stuck by invisible walls into a maze that you, you know you're like trapped. So you have to figure out what the route is. You know you have to figure out their route that they planned. Whereas in this world, there are no walls except for the ones surrounding the city. But apart from that, there's no barriers. Make your own damn route. If you know where point B is, it doesn't matter how you get there. Get there however the however you want, however you can. So that to me, mwah, beautiful. I want that to be in future games. 
in the Kingdom Hearts series. That to me is a big deal and should not be forgotten. This is a very important development for the series and I hope it continues on in future games. So uh, yeah, overall, and then, you know, gameplay wise, another thing that I do want to talk about that I loved, one of my favorite experiences, not just in this world, but in the whole game as a whole is that whole uh, like uh, obstacle course mini game. I love that. Cause it, it like teaches you how to run through the world and it, and it's not teaching you new mechanics. These are all mechanics you've had throughout the whole game. It's mostly just reminding you, Hey, you can, you are Sora. You can run on walls. Hey, you're Sora. You can do air step and you can like, you know, instantly teleport to places off in the distance. Hey, you're Sora. You can pretty much fly, you know? And it's like reminding the player, Sora pretty much is a superhero. Don't forget that. You're supposed to move through this world like a superhero. Don't be an idiot and just run on the streets. You know, be cool. And it's like that mini game is there to say it's okay. You can be cool. Remember, Sora is a flipping superhero already. Love that. So cool. Uh, so yeah, that that part super awesome. And then I do want to talk about real quick. I want to talk about Evil Riku because for me, Evil Riku was very confusing because it's like, so first they set him up as, oh, yeah, Evil Riku, he's just, um, you you know, at first it feels like, oh, is he Data Riku? And like, no, it's not Data Riku. It's actually Riku from the past when he fought after he like unlocked Maleficent's heart or something. It's like really weird. And then they walk that back later and it's just like, I don't know, evil Riku. He's got an attitude problem. He's got attitude problems. And, but you know what I do like is the fact that he thinks he thinks he's the Riku from kingdom hearts. One. So it's like, it's like, it's like programmed in his head. It's just like, yeah, you know, it's like the way he talks. He's like, I like that because it's like that was the kind of Riku, you know, from you know the very first Kingdom Hearts. You know, as the first adventure, you know, here he is. You know, he's kind of got that cocky, arrogant attitude, and here he is. You know, you know, in Kingdom Hearts three, but like, you know, he's even worse. Yeah, exactly. just like highly. Arrogant. It's almost like he's an exaggerated version of the Kingdom Hearts one Riku. Pretty much. That's how I would describe him. Which, when you think of it that way, then it makes sense that he's not actually the Riku from that time. He just thinks he is. And and then, like, when he was talking with... Uh, like, that's, that's one of the things I liked about Kingdom Hearts 3 is how the Disney characters interact with, you know, the original characters. You exactly. know, telling, you know, Hero about, you know, Baymax's, you know, chip and how yep. he has it, you know, how saying that he'll never see the same robot again, you know? Yep. So I thought that was a nice touch for his behavior to go, you know, towards, you know, Hero and the gang. For sure. For sure. And then, yeah, him being a part of the whole thing with uh, getting Baymax back. One thing that I did find strange was that, I don't know, I, I blame Donald and Goofy, but for them being so forgetful but so they get there right and Mm. you know you got the bug blocks going all over the place it's very obviously 
bug blocks. They're bug blocks from from Recoded. And like Donald and Goofy should know that they're called bug blocks. They never say that they are. So then Hero mistakenly calls them microbots. So he thinks they're microbots. And then later, just randomly, the Big Hero 6 group starts calling them Dark Cubes. D-A-R-K-U-B-E-S. Capitalized. I made sure to get it straight from the game. That's what they called it. So these things in the game are given two names. Microbots and then Dark Cubes. But actually, they're bug blocks if you've actually played you know, recoded, or at least watch the movie recoded. You should know they're bug blocks. What's the deal with this? Why don't Donald and Goofy remember? I have no idea. That I don't know why they need like three names. You know, they, <laughs> they don't need just three names. They shouldn't have three names. They, they they should. I mean, I would I would leave it as microbots because that's what they you know you know here on the gang remember them yeah. as. Like, why would you even go and say, "Oh, they're dark cubes"? Yeah. Come well, I on. think. Well, I think the deal is that these cubes—they're not the microbots that Hero made. That's the thing. Uh, you know, they—they they are. So they're supposed to be bug blocks from Recoded, and that's kind of a hint at who this Riku is supposed to be. But then I think maybe at some point they like change the story, and it, this was supposed to be the Data Riku. But then they changed it to be Riku Replica. I don't know. It's it weird. could be. Because, like, you know, if 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 we're going based that on the fact that maybe this is a story change, maybe that's why they decided not to call them bug blocks. But I don't know. It's weird. But, uh, yeah, apart from that, overall, oh, my God, I love this world so much. Uh, Presentation-wise, like, obviously, like, what's there to say? It looks like the movie. <laughs> like... So Plus, simple. Uh, you 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 know what I like? Yeah. Day and night. Yes. Good call. This is one of the few worlds in the entire series that has a day and night uh day and night areas. Uh but it to be clear though, it's not a day and night cycle. It is it is there's a day version of the of the city and there's a night version of the city. And uh, that is because uh, for Kingdom Hearts 3, they've decided not to do, well, except for one part of the game, but we'll talk about that next episode. Uh, For the most part, they have not done uh, real-time day and night cycles in this game. And I would say that is for the better. Because uh, when you don't do that, the nice thing uh, that you get is you get to bake the lighting. And that's what makes... That's that is the secret for why Kingdom Hearts 3's lighting looks so good and so consistent throughout the whole game is because all the lighting is baked. Uh so yeah, and yeah, so so basically for the night version of the city, it's the same as how they made the day version, they just bake it, it as a night version of the city. So it's a different it's effectively a different level. But uh yeah, like you said, Shiro, so beautiful. And, and it's so rare that we get that cuz usually like the worlds are static and they always have the same time of day forever. And yeah. it's very rare that we get a nighttime version. So it's nice to see it here, especially the city. It's so beautiful. So that, that's really cool. Um, trying to think if there's any other like big things jumping out, but yeah, I'd say just overall really awesome. Um, I guess, uh, Oh, we forgot to give a, a score for pirates of the Caribbean. Well, I'll, I'll just say both of my scores for both of these world 
worlds are 10 and 10. Like both of them, super awesome for me. So, uh, Churro, what about you? I would like, uh, like overall with everything in there, like yeah. including the storyline and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have to give it like both the solid nines for both. That's fair. Because, you know, like the, the collecting the crabs was like kind of like, yeah, that is a, that a is mood killer. Yeah. And then, you know, the, one of the things for big hero six was that it felt, it felt empty still. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it it, it definitely is uh, a bit more on the empty side. But yeah, just for me, like, I guess for me, I'm more seeing it as what this means for the series. And to me, that just tops everything. And uh, any any problems I had with it, I'm just like, I'm not even thinking about those. I'm just thinking about, man, I can't wait for the next game to take this idea even further. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from with that. Uh, one one other like slight con that I'm gonna weigh on the Pirates of the Caribbean world, and it's not that I don't like it, but it's gonna be the music. He is a pirate is totally absent, and I think it's uh, related to uh, rights. I think the guy who actually wrote that has uh, been having it maybe issues with Disney over rights, and um, I. I just say that coming from the fact that we have so many uploads of uh, like uh, Kingdom Hearts gameplay on our YouTube. And the one that has given us like some of the most problem was the Pirates of the Caribbean world. (laughs) We got uh, we got flagged for that. Not a copyright strike, but we did get a copyright claim on that video because of the Pirates of the Caribbean music being he's a pirate. So, wow. I think there might be some copyright issues and some rights issues with that song. So yeah, that might be why we didn't get he's a pirate in uh kingdom parts three. Unfortunate, but uh, yeah, overall really love those worlds. They're my favorite Disney worlds in the game. And Churro, would you say the same is that, are these your favorite Disney worlds in kingdom hearts three? Um, yeah, I would say, I would say like big hero six was probably my favorite you know favorite one okay yeah same yeah my my yeah i would say if i had to rank it between the two yeah big hero six is my absolute favorite and uh pirates of the caribbean is like a close second uh but yeah so that pretty much covers our discussion for today our question segment has this question today uh this one comes from alex troutman he's going to ask about uh stuff related to the theme songs of kingdom hearts 3 so not really a question about Kingdom Hearts, but more about Chikai and Don't Think Twice. I started to, I started thinking about the lyrics of both and the fact that Utada did both herself. At least, I think she wrote both herself. I wonder if Don't Think Twice is the person not believing that their partner is cheating and then Chikai is finally accepting. Also, which order do you think these songs should be chronologically? Don't think twice, then Chikai, where the person finds out about the cheating and leaves, or the other way around, where the person knows about the cheating but just can't leave. My wife and I discussing that are just uh, started discussing this, and the second situation broke our hearts. What do you think, Jerome? I mean, I don't. I mean, it's kind of like the whole uh, Hikari and Subun Clean. 
Yeah. Where, you know, they're not related to me. I still don't believe that they're really that much related to each other. Because yeah. to me, I always felt that Don't Think Twice is more about, um, you know, if if you really do love me, you know, don't think about it. Just act on your feelings. Yeah. That's what it seems like. And because, you know, you have the lines, you know, cross the line. Then at the end, she says, be mine. You know, yeah. and, you know, in the very first um, verse is, you know, you know, did you really think that I would say no? You know, basically it's she's telling the person, you know, did you really think I would reject you? You know, yeah. it's more like to me, it's more like not accepting, you know, cheating. It's more like, why aren't you acting on what you're feeling for me? Yeah. So, and then whereas Chikai is more like the opposite of that, you know, and it's, I've, it's been a while since I, I read the lyrics in Japanese and, yeah, it's, know, a, it's definitely more like, like the, the other person that she's singing to the, the partner in this relationship that she's singing to has already done the wrong. Whereas, yeah. so, so it's like, if Chikai is, you've done wrong don't think twice is you're not doing the right thing. You're hesitating. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like two, two sides of, a, I would say different relationships. You know uh, what? At, at the end of the day, they, they, I would say that they are clearly similar and I would say, you know, yeah, they're, they're more, I would say more similar than what Hikari and simple and clean are, but Still, at the end of the day, I feel that they're separate relationships that she's dealing with here. And yeah, in one of them, it's very clear the other person messed up. They did something wrong. And then in the other one, she's suffering because they're not doing good things, as in they're not loving her. So it's almost like, you know, that would have to be a different relationship or perhaps maybe it's. I don't know. Yeah, if it, if 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 I had to if I had to like put them in chronological order, I would say it's don't think twice and then Chikai, you know, but I still don't see them as together. I I see them as separate things. Uh yeah. just like you Churro. So but yeah, that's uh it it is interesting to think about and I mean <laughs> You you need not look further than uh, the internet and gossip magazines to know that it's not too far from, you know, what Utada has been going through in the past couple especially, of years. Especially now that when you like, like you, like you just brought up how, what she's been going through. Yeah. Especially in her second marriage. And it's like how these songs are more of a mature, you know, theme songs than, you know, yes. than the other two. Yep. You know, because like, you know, passion and sanctuary, you know, especially sanctuary is basically explaining that, you know, being with you, you know, is like your safe haven. Yes. You know, and basically simple and clean is basically ask, you know, trying to prove, you know, your love to someone. Yes. You know, and it's, this one's more like why you, you know, like, like, like we said, you know, you're, you're upset because you're not really full on doing this, you know, it's like, yep. hey, are we doing this or not? You know, it's, it just shows how much, you know, maturity has come through 
you know, for Utada to write both yeah. these songs, especially Chikai, you know. Yeah, especially Chikai. really, really the, mature. The really her. surprising thing is, like, I feel like it out of all of these, the Japanese song is the one with the most T in it. <laughs> and usually that's the opposite. Usually, like, and, and like, it's kind of funny. Like, remember when uh, on Twitter she was like, uh, you know, if they don't release the full version of Don't Think Twice, I'm going to leak it, yo. Like, it, to me, it feels like when she's talking in English, she's usually a lot more forthcoming and open about, like, things. She's a lot more uh, blunt in mm. English. But then in these two songs, it's the opposite. Chikai is way more blunt and way more savage than uh, than Don't Think Twice is. I mean, it's, I mean, she just came off, you know, like... Out of, you know, hiatus, you know, she released an album. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, especially, you know, you coming off of that and then, you know, then then you only hear what, what you know, what went on through her second marriage. And it's like, of course, it's going to be shade because, you know, it, yeah. it you know, things happen that you, you didn't expect it to happen. And, and you're just, you know, you just end up where you are. Yeah, but, you know, let's just, just for fun real quick, let's take this to, uh, uh, you know, a speculative area. Let's pretend all of the songs are related from all the games. So if we're taking it that way, then uh, the songs from Kingdom Hearts are about, uh, I guess, falling in love, so to speak, like proving your love. Fall, it, it, You know, it's all... Pro- prior to the relationship and then passion and sanctuary are you are in the relationship passionately in love and then uh don't think twice and chikai are all about the relationship dying either via cheating or via neglect that i think i think that's a really nice interpretation of it yeah i think that's i think that's pretty much all you can get from it because i mean that is kind of like you know, one of the things Nomura mentioned about how you would look at Kingdom Hearts 3 is not like, you know, like how he mentioned, I think it was the interview like last year before the game was released, how he stated mm-hmm. that how you look at the ending as more of something moving on from something. Yes. Like how like you had like a friendship that would just like m- just move on. That's what it yep. feels like. Yeah. Not. Yeah. There's like closure, but not really. <laughs> Yeah, in, in the same way. So, yeah, uh, thank you for the question. And, uh, yeah, moving on to our music segment. Our music for this episode is uh, Churro, you sent this to me. This is a Simple and Clean musicality cover. This is like if Simple and Clean was on Glee. Oh, well, I, you could thank uh, Erica Harlocker for oh, really? tweeting it out. Yeah, I saw her tweet it out. I checked it out. I was like, wow, this is pretty good. So I was yeah, like, hey. it is. It's really good. But yeah, it's like a really unique style. Like I, I never would have expected it like this. But yeah, if you're like really into like Glee or high school musical. Yeah, it seems like musicality. I checked their YouTube channel real quick. They're like a, like a acapella group and they cover a lot of songs, but especially like things from musicals, like The Greatest Showman and things like that. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, check it out and give them some love. And uh, yeah, our next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 16th of April. And as always, if you guys like what we do, you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one. 
And, of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com or... Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. And remember, you can support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And send us your questions to KHUQuestions at gmail.com. All right, Cheryl, it is that time. It is goodbye time. Goodbye, guys. Thank you for tuning in. This was kind of a long one, but we we got to talk about some of our favorite worlds of Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. But I'm pregnant. Again? April Fool's! No, no, no. It can't be April Fool's. This this is like your third time. (laughs) I'm sorry. Look, I just just realized this is our episode that releases around April Fool's and we didn't even put a prank in it. Sorry. Uh, We're we're getting too old for pranks. We're getting too old for pranks. I'm too old for this. Anyway, so, uh, okay, Charles, say your goodbyes. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. All right, and I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production. When you walk away-